We wait, we watch, we seek, and in the end, hopefully, it all leads to true worship. But how do we know if we've truly worshiped? May 1996, I had only been a Christian for about one month, a follower of Jesus for one month. Therefore, maybe I didn't know all the decorum of what to do and not to do. And I found myself in a, at a Christian concert, a rock concert. And when I say a rock concert, it was, except for the lyrics being different and some prayers, it was indeed a rock concert. There was a mosh pit. And there was, for those of you that don't know what a mosh pit is, you can say thank you, Jesus, and move on from there. There was the lights and the smoke and all of the things. There were a few soft songs, but most of the songs, if you were going to communicate with the person next to you, you had to scream at them. And after the opening act and after the, the, the main act came on, the groups that I was watching was a group by the name of, of DC Talk, Decent Christian Talk. They're a mix of, of rap and rock. And I thought about rapping one of the songs for you, but I didn't want to embarrass my children or my wife on this day. And my in-laws are in town. i They've come to think I'm respectable after 18 years of marriage, so I want them to keep on with that. But, but they were, they were an, an intense group. And after an hour of them and after an hour of, or a couple hours of the opening acts, I was hot and I was sweaty. And, and being in a little better shape then, and again, not knowing maybe all the decorum and most of the concerts I'd only been to, I took off my shirt. And there I was at this Christian concert, probably the only shirtless person in the room. But in my mind, I was, I, was, I was worshiping. At one point in the concert, the young lady who I was with turned to me and started trying to dance with me. And I said to her, what are you doing? This is a Christian concert. We're worshiping, says the shirtless guy bouncing about up front. Worship. It is a very personal experience. When has someone truly worshiped and when has someone not. Four years later, Chattanooga, Tennessee, again at a DC talk concert. And this time I'm watching a crowd go crazy, lunging to try to touch one of the singers who you might be familiar with his name, Toby Mack, who's standing on the back of my chair, using my head as a stabilizing force while he sings behind me and people trying to crawl over me to get to this man. And me sitting there in my piousness and saying, this is not worship. I will never come back to a concert like this again. 18 years old, shirtless, dancing around, worship. Annoyed at 22 years old, it was definitely not worship. When has someone truly worshiped and when have they not? I will leave it up to others to lay down the rules of worship the forms and the functions and the styles and the qualities, I will, I will leave that to others, though I'd caution us to consider and then reconsider once again if you feel the need to define the function and style and mode of worship for others. But can we ourselves know if we have truly worshiped? Is there, is there some evidence that can answer the question, have we worshiped? I believe there is. Merle just read from the book of John 1, and it introduces, of course, John the, the Revelator, or John the, the Baptist. 
who came to proclaim that Jesus had come into the earth to remind people that, that there was a savior in the world. And he was calling people to come and receive Jesus. And when people came and heard John preach, that their hearts were touched and they began to worship. And, and when they began to worship, there was a question that came forward from their hearts, from their mouths, from their minds. John chapter three and verse 10. The question is asked, what, or in Luke chapter three and verse 10, sorry, what shall we do? When John was preaching, Luke chapter three and verse 10, what shall we do? These individuals are asking John the Baptist, who came to testify to the one who came in the flesh to dwell among us, what shall we do? I believe the evidence that one has worshiped, it begins with a conviction in our heart to ask the question, now what? Now what shall we do? Worship is not evidenced by the abundance of sweat from dancing around, nor in the pious statement that this is not worship. The evidence of worship, I believe, is found more in the question of what shall I do? The text there continues in Luke chapter 3. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever, whoever has extra food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers came and worshiped. And they also asked him, and what shall we do? And he said to them, do not exhort, extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations and be content with your wages. The question, what shall we do, is a question that springs forth from true worship. But then it is further evidenced in how we act upon the answers that we receive. This is evidenced in the Christmas story, Matthew chapter two, beginning in verse one. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, so it is written by the prophets. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring word to me that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And then as their hearts were opened, they opened their treasures. They offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. I want you to notice in that last verse that they fell down and they worshiped Jesus and, and then they offered him gifts. And we don't see the question, what shall 
we do. We don't hear that question, but, but I believe in their hearts, in their minds, that that question rose forth. As they, as they knelt before that child, they were, they were struck by, what shall we do? And they, they gave him their gifts. Ellen White, in the great book on Jesus' life, Desire of Ages, describes this moment like this. Beneath the lowly guise of Jesus, they recognized the presence of divinity. They gave him their hearts as their savior. And then they poured out their gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What a faith was there, she writes. It might have been said of the wise men from the east as afterward of the Roman centurion. I have not so found so great faith no, not in all of Israel. Ellen White continues, for if we have given our hearts to Jesus, we also shall bring of our gifts to him, our gold and our silver, our most precious, precious earthly possessions, our highest mental and spiritual endowments will be freely devoted to him who loved us and gave himself for us. How do we know if we have worshiped? We have worshiped when our hearts ask the question, what shall we do? And then in response to that question, the answers that we hear, we go and do that thing. Whether it be giving of what you have to someone who does not have, whether it be giving of your gifts and your talents, whether it be treating someone differently than you had treated them in the past, whether it be being honest with someone when you have not been honest in the past. When people come and worship Jesus, we see it time and time again. There is always that moment of them acknowledging what shall we do and then them going out and doing something different. As we heard from the shepherd's story, the shepherds came and they also fell down and worshiped Jesus. They worshiped Jesus. And the Bible tells us that, that, that once they had finished worshiping Jesus, they got up out of that place and they didn't go back quietly to where they were from. They didn't go back to the fields quietly and, and hold all these things close to them. No, they returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And as we're told somewhere, they became in many ways the first evangelists for Jesus, these lowly shepherds. They gave of their witness. They worshiped. What shall we do? And their hearts, their hearts asked, and they went out and they shared Jesus with others. We can be lulled into thinking that worship is about form and function and model and style. We can look in one instance and say, oh, they must really be worshiping. They are full of excitement and joy. And we can look in another instance and say, oh, they must not be worshiping because they are far too full of excitement and joy. We can look at it from, from different ways. We can like our style of worship and say, this is true worship and not like another that someone does also say that is true worship. But how do we really know any of us if we have worshiped in our hearts? I believe it springs forth from that question. What shall we then do? Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. We have worshiped Jesus with our hearts when we ask the question, what shall I do? And then we go 
and do what Jesus has told us to do. As we leave 2021 and as we move into 2022, I hope that you will act on this. That every time you sit down to read your Bible, every time you, you, you lay down to pray, every Sabbath that you come into this place and worship or that you sit at home and join us from online, that you won't leave that moment until you have asked the question, now Jesus, what shall I do? And when Jesus gives you that answer, that you will go forth like the wise men who gave their gifts, like the shepherds who witnessed, like the people who had more who gave a tunic or food to those who did not have, like the tax collectors who, who became honest, like the, like the soldiers who, who treated people differently than they had before, that you will go forth and truly live out lives of worship. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this Christmas season. And we were reminded of so much during Christmas. But Lord, let it not simply be a season, but in this time in which we pause to reflect and to remember and to, to worship you. Lord, may our hearts ask the question, what now shall we do? And may we recognize that true worship is evidenced in the way that we live going forward, the way that we live our lives as our spiritual acts of worship. Lord, bless us as we leave 21 and move into 2022. May this year be a year in which all see that we are worshipers of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the first and the last, our Savior, our Redeemer, and our friend. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.